0: Howdy, everyone. Welcome back. Hey there. And today, we welcome you back to our study in John, going through the different I am statements. Uh, And today, we are talking about a shepherd and a good shepherd at that. Um, So Jeff has a story I'm going to let him share.
1: Yeah, to kind of get our minds going on God as a... He's our good shepherd. He's a good protector and provider. And it just made me think about when I was a kid, six or seven years old, riding my bike and trying to do no hands, obviously, and uh, hit a patch of gravelly sand and just flew over the handlebars, right smack dab into the curb, faces all bloodied and bruised. And I remember my brother, who was on the bike ride with me, ran back to the house, got my dad. My dad came and picked me up with no concern for dirt and blood on his own clothes and stuff like runs back to the house with me in hand um, and cleans me up and takes care of me and just, I don't know, just one of those stories that makes you think about like, like what a, what a good father is like, you know, what a good, what a good shepherd can look like. And I would invite you to, to maybe think about that yourself, if you have any stories of somebody who was a good, good, Mm -hmm. uh. "Quote unquote," shepherd. Yeah, he was more <laughs> in concern, your life. Yeah,
0: more concerned with your uh, safety and your well-being right. than, well, you shouldn't have done that, or you know, yeah. I'm gonna get dirty too, or right,
1: because okay. kids are like sheep sometimes. <laughs> Can do some dumb things. Yes, quote-unquote. Kids kids, can
0: definitely be like that. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so I'm going to recap uh, the last uh, I am statement that that we went through. It was, um, I am the gate for the sheep. And uh, Jesus was definitely talking about, we started with the blind man, and he was healed by Jesus. And then Jesus claims to be the light, um, the light of the world. And then the Pharisees are calling... uh, Are calling um, the blind man by Jesus and because of their interaction with him Jesus is not only calling the Pharisees blind but he's now revealing their true nature as thieves and so they're trying to steal the Pharisees are trying to steal the man that got healed and they're trying to like bring him back into darkness darkness yeah. yeah And so, and so Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm protecting these people. And that's when we get into the statement of, I am the gate for the sheep. Uh, the Pharisees wanted um, to take the people that had called, and then Jesus making a difference in their life, but they're trying to pull them back into darkness. And so Jesus calls himself the gate, saying two different things, saying he's going to save people that are going to come in through him. And then he's also going to protect those Who would try to come in and steal his sheep so so two different ideas working there that Jesus uh, that Jesus is saying when he's saying I am uh, the gate for the sheep and then now we're moving on from him being a gate and this time in John uh, uh, chapter 10 verse 11 and in verse 14 he calls himself the Good Shepherd he said I am the Good Shepherd so, uh, Jeff, do me a favor and talk about shepherds in those days.
1: In general, I, I mean, you would have, as we talked about last time, it wasn't just a, a, a rural, if you had a lot of land, sometimes you would have sheep in a more urban area. Um, but within a more rural area, if you had a decent plot of land or if you had more land, you had maybe more sheep. It seems like in one of the parables, as we talked about earlier, you brought up with the he leaves the ninety nine to get the one. That's a pretty big
0: flock. Okay, um, that's a lot. Would uh, you would you consider a sheep to be a domesticated animal? Like we would consider a dog or a cat. Yeah, maybe? I
1: think that's the intention, but I think the this is where it's maybe a little bit different because sheep need a lot of attention. Okay. because they can do a lot of dumb things. And so part of that was the role of a lot of shepherds was to kind of keep the welfare and well-being. I mean, it's, for them, it's their livelihood. And, and, uh, and so to that degree, it was, that's why a lot of the shepherds were super involved in the, in the lives of, of taking care of, um, of sheep because you don't want to lose that you've invested a lot of money in uh, but it was a not a glamorous job there was a bunch of like you're with the smelly sheep and tending to them and, and as they're doing dumb things like like I mean a lot of stuff may be involved they got tangled in some briar or ended up in a bog or something that you have to get them out of and uh, yeah, so I mean, it was a very involved, not okay. a glamorous, job. Like gotcha. not a glamorous job. Yeah, important.
0: Important, right? For sure, but not, but not something that you would strive to be. Right. Okay. Um, so, would a shepherd in those days would they sacrifice their own life for sheep? Like, is that something that you would uh, that you would hear like anybody say?
1: Probably not, I and mean, I think that's part of the scandal of what Jesus is saying here is that he's the good shepherd is going to lay down his life uh, for his sheep. Okay. I, I don't think a lot of shepherds would have, to some degree, they want to make sure they can uh, keep their keep their sheep safe. Okay. I, I mean, they don't. That's why they have fences and to keep them out from. Things that are trying to harm them, gotcha, and the, and the like. But there's also a certain degree where they wouldn't have gone to full lengths to to try to like like sacrificing their own
0: life. So they so they had a at least a deep connection with their sheep. But that's not something that you would necessarily hear someone say. It's like I am a great shepherd because I would die for my sheep.
1: Yeah, I don't think that would have been the case. Yeah.
0: So if, as far as this connection goes. Um, how how important was Jesus mentions his voice in his sheep like how important mm-hmm. was a shepherd's voice to to his sheep
1: i think a a common analogy would have been like like to tie it in kind of with something today it would be a dog and its master kind of relationship i think dogs can hear the voice okay of its master and i think to the same degree, I think the shepherd's voice for a lot of sheep. would. So we can visualize that. Yeah, we like, can visualize okay.
0: that. Okay. Um, why would why would Jesus emphasize the word good? Like, what would I, and maybe maybe you've alluded to this when he said he'd lay down his life for the sheep, but he's he he mentions twice, not just that he is a shepherd to his to his flock, but he's a good shepherd. Right. Like, what where's where's he tying that word into?
1: He's contrasting himself with, and you brought it up in the introduction, with he's contrasting himself with the the ones who were trying to harm the sheep, the ones who were trying to get in and thieve and rob, kill, destroy.
0: So would the Pharisees have? <laughs> would the Pharisees have called themselves shepherds?
1: I think they were trying to say. I mean, that was they were the religious. They're kind of the religious shepherds at okay. the time. To, to tend to their congregations and their, okay. their spiritual well-being and welfare.
0: and Do you think a Pharisee would ever say, I, I lay down my life for the sheep?
1: That's a good question. Uh, it's hard to answer. I mean, it's hard to answer because it's... Not every Pharisee, there's a blanket. They gotcha. kind of have a bad sure. Um Even, I don't know, Nicodemus and... <laughs> and I'm sure there's others like Nicodemus uh, I mean Paul was one too but he was terrible at the beginning
0: <laughs> okay
1: yeah uh, but well, he, I, I think even in those moments I mean I think it, probably the good ones were attracted to Jesus and so would have right. potentially been well, and he going down their lives for
0: so he makes this he makes this statement in John chapter 10 verse 12 he says a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock and the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Right. My assumption is is that these Pharisees that are talking to this blind man and kind of, I would say pestering him.
1: It's a little too on the nose, isn't it? Like, right. Yeah.
0: And so it seems like he's making a direct connection you know calling them to see the light this you're the guys that you're the people that i'm talking about
1: or i almost visualize like at best you're a hired hand one who's kind of around and does some good things but when push comes to shove you bail right okay or you're actively trying to they look jump the, over the fence and kill and slaughter the sheep
0: so they look the part at worst yeah from a from an arm's length yeah. but when push comes to shove okay yeah I gotcha so what was really interesting about this passage and i'll read it here before i ask the question um but it says uh, let me find it he says i am the good shepherd in verse 14 and he says i know my own sheep and they know me just as my father's knows me and i know the father that seems that's that's a really close relationship that a fa- he's saying a father and a son even if the pharisees didn't understand who his father was the the comparison between a father and a son i'm assuming was a really close relationship back then and jesus is now making the statement i know my sheep and that's as close as you can get just like like me knowing my father is that what he was going for and why like yeah. What, would, what would they think about a statement like that? Uh, for real? Like,
1: is that something that can be that close? In a way, like, can that be? Um, I mean, in, to some degree, Jesus' comments, even of himself, of he, his relationship with the Father just opened up whole new categories of of who this God is and how he relates to his people. Like with the, there's always been an intimacy there, but there's just something about a father, son, like you said. And then if he's equating a shepherd and its sheep of how it's kind of a similar-ish, that's, okay, that's rich. So, like,
0: so he, yeah. So it seems to me like him saying "I'm the I am the good shepherd And I lay down my life for the sheep and they, they're kind of flabbergasted at that. I mean, that would be, that would be a, that would be an odd thing for, for me to say, you know, I, I can't, I'm, I'm willing to give up my life for my dog. Right. You know, and then, and then go so far as to say, I mean, using the same analogy, it's not perfect, but, but going so far as to say my dog and I have just as good as a relationship as my son and I. Right. But don't think
1: of it I see what you're kinda of saying, but but also remember too a lot of the rich images within the old testament of understanding, even though we've shared in real life a shepherd's relationship with a sheep is not as close as maybe sure. it's trying to get at within the image. But remember like in Psalm twenty three, like images of like it's good it's good stuff to remember that God is our sh- like our shepherd and he, he leads us to green pastures and still waters and his rod and staff are, he's close by me and he's with me and like his forever love chases me like that, that psalm. There's a degree of richness to it and, a, and there's just something radical that's happening where Jesus is saying like I'm that good shit like in the psalm it's the lord is my shepherd and then he's saying i'm the good shepherd and so to us it might just might not sound as scandalous but there's something about that he's like that there's there's something strategic when he's mentioning like i'm the good shepherd like he's Um, not just kind of pulling it out of thin air like
0: there's something to this hmm. as well so kind of just in, in wrapping up a little bit, I, I'm always amazed at Jesus's ability to bring in not new terminology, but new ways of thinking, you know, kind of, and we we'll, we've, you and I've talked about like the upside down kingdom before, but, um, but just that, that concept of this, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this idea on its head. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a radical statement that you may not get right away, but it's true, you know, but it may it may cause some divisions because you're not willing to accept it. Um, and just in closing, I wanted to say that the people at the end of uh, this section, at the end of uh, ch- uh, chapter 10 and then verse 19, he said, when he said these things, the people were again, divi- again, divided in their opinions about him. They weren't just divided once. They've been divided several times. And so when, it, when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind, and why are we listening to a man like that? And then on the other hand, others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? And so there's two like very contrasting ideas going on here it's how can how can we have if jesus wasn't doing if jesus didn't open the eyes of a blind man we could very well say he was demon possessed right like yeah yeah if he wasn't authenticating his message
1: right but he's all like the that comment is where is he getting this strange power like, to be able to do something and achieve something like this, and they immediately tie him to, like, some dark power that's right. associated with some sort of dark power, so which ima- is part of the
0: problem. So imagine going back to one of the original conversations we had. If I, if I told you, hey, Jeff, I am cheesecake, and you're like, you are just gone. You're so, you're loony. But then I reach behind my back, and I, like, pull out, like, in front of your eyes from ah. thin air, and I'm like, nope. Here's cheesecake and he's like wait a second that's the dumbest phrase I've ever heard but he just created cheesecake out of thin air you know so you've got this disconnect of like yes it's completely strange to hear these kinds of statements but you're authenticating them and that's what the people are saying in this verse others said this doesn't sound like the man of a like a man possessed by a demon can a demon open the eyes of the blind right Right. So, Yeah. anyway, I wanted to, uh, you the listener, kind of talking to you now, I wanted to read a quote by C.S. Lewis and give you, I want to give you the opportunity that Jesus' statements here are not just nice to listen to, but they almost require some kind of action. And sometimes you just have to stick with Jesus for long enough until like you do believe you you hear what he's saying and you see what he's saying and you see what he's doing and those two like finally come together and it's and it's it's a beautiful thing when it happens but i'm going to read this quote and then we can then we can talk about it again but c.s lewis said i am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him and quoting i'm ready to accept jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on the level with a man who's saying he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at at his feet and call him a Lord and God. But let's not come to any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He's not left that open to us, and he did not intend to.
1: Yeah. You have to do something about who he says he is. Right. He's left it to where there's no kind of middle ground to some degree, like of, as Lewis said, like a patronizing teacher route. Like he's, he's a lunatic, a liar, or he's the Lord.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even say it's like, it's okay to be skeptical. Right. You know, I, you know, I in my own life have been skeptical before. And I don't think, I don't think Jesus frowns upon skepticism. Right. I think he I think he welcomes it and he invites people to him that are that are skeptical but I think it's when we come to a place where we make a hard and fast decision and say Jesus is a great Jesus is a great moral teacher and that's it and that's where he's drawing the line. He's like you, you can you can't do that.
1: You can't settle in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's he's calling he's calling us as his, as his as his creation to more than that
1: right and like you said and we've talked about this before too he just wants us to be open right just be open
0: so yeah so if you guys are open uh i hope this has been enjoyable for you guys please uh at any point if you have questions let us know give us a call snapchat text whatever 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 suits you best but um until next time glad to have you guys here
1: yep latest
0: see ya